Hello and welcome <laughs> to another episode of Hot Takes. I'm Jack Kolodzewski, joined by a crew tonight who has just gone to see a film. I'm joined by Robert Anderson. Oh, hi, Jack. Bernadette Gorman. Oh, hi, Jack. And Jeremy Kolodzewski. Oh, hi, Jack. Very good, everybody. Get out of your system. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yeah, I did not. I did not. <laughs> What movie did we see, Jack? We saw The Disaster Artist. Yes. What a disaster Finally, I've been waiting to see what this movie for some time. I've been excited to see this movie. I think everybody, all of us, were excited to see this movie. Yes. It's a good week for movies. Hotly anticipated. Yes. A couple of hotly anticipated movies coming out this week, yes. I would say. We'll get to mm-hmm. the latter later. Yes, we'll get there. Um, but uh, yeah, Disaster Artist, directed by James Franco. Written, not written by well, James Well, written by Greg Sestero. He the wrote... Book, based on a book. It based on by, a book by Greg Sestero and Tom Bissell. Yes. About a movie by Tommy Wiseau. Uh, yeah, the for room. sure. Wiseau. 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 That's fun. I don't think even he pronounces it the same every time. Well, yeah. Probably I not. Think, he has a New Orleans accent, so... I think the most like like accepted one is Wiseau. Wiseau? Yeah. That's how I would. I think I usually say Tommy. I always Wiseau. thought it was like Wiseau. I always thought it was. Wiseau. I, I think Wiseau, too. Yeah, I guess I've said Wiseau when, as well. When he was on Jimmy Kimmel a little while back, he introduced him as Wiseau. Okay. So, and he usually tries to get that right. So that's fair. We'll go with that. I don't think Tommy would correct. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So we were all looking forward to this movie. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? Oh, I mean, it's fucking awesome. It's a great, <laughs> yeah, it's a great little, um, I mean, besides just like loving it, it, it's a really cool, uh, I really like that it's, it's kind of a biopic period piece, um, but I don't think there's like any two better people to handle it than Seth Rogen and James Franco doing this movie. I really think that this, like, they're the people who needed to make this film and I think they did it. Bang up job, and uh, I really can't get over how good James Franco is as Tommy. Like, <laughs> I really cannot. He went. Someone th- give that man something fully in. Give him a trophy. He completely disappears into the role. Like I forgot that it was James Franco. Yeah. Like he, I just thought I was watching Tommy. And on I mean, screen. That's, that's James Franco. Yeah, it's not like somebody you forget easily. No, no. it's James Franco. They yes. they must have like they. Probably put like a lot of makeup on him. Oh yeah, and pale. Yeah, oh, yeah, they made him really pale. He looks almost nigh unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. With like, it's maybe the eyes like a couple of times, but the way he moves his face, well, is just so. They did shit to his eyes. Yeah, yes. his eyes are kind of all over the place. They're fucked up the whole time. <laughs> they are definitely fucked up. There was there was a moment like in the middle of the film when he first shows up to the 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 screening of the room and he gets out of the car with 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 Greg. I just thought, wow, that's Tommy. Anytime that he has the sunglasses on, it is dead. It's him. So it's dead on. Tommy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and only, I mean, you said Seth Rogen as well. Yeah. But yeah, it was so great to see, like, the brotherly bond between James and Dave Franco. Yeah. Playing these two characters who are dealing with all this shit. That's what kind of reminded yeah, it's me great. that it was James Franco. The fact that his brother was there looking yeah. more like a person. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, yes, <laughs> they're both Francos. Well, I mean... Dave Franco too. I think you really got to hand it to him. The first, the yeah. first section of the movie, he he looks a certain way, but as soon as he gets the beard on and the long hair, oh I was like, 
holy shit does he look like Greg Sestero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is also a dead ringer for Greg Sestero. They really both nail the look. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went out of their way to nail the look of a lot of the people that were involved with the room, and yeah. I think they did a pretty good job. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I loved it as well. I we The theater was electric. We yeah, had a good crowd. The whole time. Yeah. It was a good crowd. A lot of laughs. Everybody was laughing very hard. Yeah, the yeah. theater was maybe... What would you say, like a sixth full? It wasn't a full theater at all. Yeah, maybe twenty. But the laughs, twenty-ish people yeah. in filled the more, theater. More than I thought. It was great. There was yeah. more than I thought that would be there for a smaller release movie on a Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah. And to yeah. be honest, like I thought, we, our group was going to be the only people in the theater, but yeah, Tuesday is discount night, so I guess it's probably mm-hmm. more likely to be I there. I think this but. this flick has some pull. I mean, a lot of people when we were like leaving, I was looking around. I was like, yeah, these are kids who like. Seem like they have been following the room for a while, and like, you know, <laughs> this movie has a crazy cult following, so it makes sense to have some of these people be there. I thought the same thing. I like got up and turned around and did a quick scan of the room. I was like, "Yep, all these people." Yeah, oh, uh, soon yeah, purchase. Yeah, yeah. Thing, uh-huh. Cool. Yep, <laughs> like mid twenty something weirdos. Yeah, everybody in this room is nice to see the room. Yeah. Yes, I know they did some early pollings when they did like the early screenings when this movie first came out, and the general reaction to this film from people I assume haven't seen it said that, yeah, this movie was so good, but it was unbelievable that that kind of movie got made. The Room. And that I find so incredible and I, so great. It's, yeah. it's one of the biggest mysteries of, of Hollywood, like recent Hollywood, that yeah. is in, in how this movie got made, how it got financed, who the hell Tommy is. We'll dig more into that. I'm and the sure. theories. Sure. And... sure. Yeah. There's a lot still shrouded in mystery. There's a lot to parse out there. But one of the things that hit me about this was the thought of what... Would someone who has not heard of The Room, has not seen The Room, but is a fan of James Franco and Seth Rogen and Dave Franco and all the big names involved with this movie, what does a person like that think going in and watching this and seeing James Franco playing that role the entire time and committing to it? What does a person who has never seen Tommy Wiseau in their life think when they see a movie like this? I can only imagine. I imagine it's... A similar t- a reaction to like the previous like more absurdist comedies they've made in the last couple of years, like uh, This Is the End or Sausage Party, yeah. where mm-hmm. it's just very out there and very crazy and over the top. Except this time, yeah. it's a true story. <laughs> but even This Is the End, like This Is the End, is is very fun and self referential, and them all playing themselves is is really fun. And yeah, and it's weird in that way that they're playing themselves. Sausage Party, I think, is pretty like cut and dry, like juvenile sure sure i just mean in that that ballpark this is like this is a very i mean it's very very funny but for all intents and purposes it's a fairly dramatic it's way more it's way more mature than those other movies like for sure mature is a good word i think it's way more mature than i even i thought it was going to be going from i only i stayed away from trailers for this movie i only watched the first trees uh teaser trailer teaser trailer that they put out with the scene of them doing the rooftop scene. Yeah. And oh, after that, I was like, fuck, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I was going to see this movie anyway, but yeah. like now I'm pumped to see this movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was kind of taken back by how much of a drama the whole thing was. I loved, right. um, I loved like how one of the opening scenes of the movie there, uh, it's, uh, Dave Franco is, he's in an acting class and the, he's playing one of the characters in Waiting for Godot, which is like, one of the most it's it's her, it's like one of the absurdest plays like mm-hmm. and uh it, it was it's cool to, like that was kind of like 
the thing they opens with is just like seeing this absurd display on stage being followed up by like some really absurd character walking on and doing a performance of uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah. And, like, well, it's so good. Also, Waiting for Godot is a play with just two people in it. Yes. And which is mm. highly symbolic yes. of essentially what the room really becomes. Love the it was very cool. Because I'm a little bit of a play nerd. I went to school for screenwriting and playwriting. And, and mm-hmm. to see that be the opening, I was like, oh, they get it. Setting the tone. Oh, they really get it. And really more than, even separated from all of the baggage that the room has, I think this this film does a really good job of, and I I think it's really cool that they have that kind of slice of Hollywood that the James Franco posse sort of has kind of carved out for themselves all pitching in to do and all working on this movie together to do a movie that's very much about Hollywood and yes. the idea of Hollywood and the idea of chasing the dream of being in Hollywood and how fucked up Hollywood can be when you're trying to break in and then just carving that out for yourself and doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, and in, in Tommy and Greg's case, the most strange way <laughs> you could possibly oh, yeah. do. I, I, Tommy's... The, my best guess is Tommy's from outer space. I, like I said, we'll maybe dig into those Planet theories. Tommy. Like Tommy, <laughs> Planet Tommy, yeah. yeah. Tommy came from outer space in the early days of the Men in Black program. <laughs> <laughs> they had not quite figured out the human suits yet Sugar. or the accents. <laughs> maybe that's and, why his face is so fucked up. Yeah, and like. They just kind of pushed him through, and now he's here. And, and they and, tried to neuralize him, but and, they couldn't. And he's integrated <laughs> now, sort of, not really, but he's, you know, he's, he's out there. Day to day. He is like <laughs> he's like a Adonis in the way that someone, someone like heard offhand, like what really handsome people look like. Yeah, <laughs> they're like yeah, they're like muscly and like uh, they have statuesque, and like he is. All those things were well, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, totally I mean, very right. like very very defined jawline. Oh yeah, he's ripped. Features, yeah. no skin pigmentation whatsoever. No. <laughs> I forgot that part, but you know, like I said, early days they're still trying to work it out. Yeah, um, similarly to uh, <laughs> we are how... <laughs> sta- we are staring at Tommy Wiseau right now on Rob's DVD copy. Yeah, of I have the room. a DVD copy mm-hmm. of the room. Uh, it's not going anywhere. I'm not selling it to anybody. On yeah. the table, we have a DVD <laughs> copy of the room and also the the book, The Disaster Artist. And so just got, like you know, I'll hold up for you guys. Like he he just looks like a crazy person. He does. <laughs> and I love James Franco does the eye thing the whole movie. The high, the like, so well. look, like eye yeah, kinda. and like the one like it's he doesn't have a lazy eye. It's just one's like not trying to. It's hard. heavily lidded. It's that one eye. Yeah, a <laughs> it won't it's open so up. Good. And that um the billboard that uh where that face. Um, showed the room yeah. that uh, you know that Greg, uh, sees. that Greg sees. That was a billboard on in L.A. That was there for like three years. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So people <laughs> so were like looking 2003, at two thousand three, two thousand six. Yeah. So people Damn. were looking at that face for a long yeah. time on their commute. Oh, so before we get into spoiler territory, Jeremy, I just want the read from you. You're the only person <clears throat> in the room that has read the room. Uh-huh. You're the only person in this room that has read The Disaster Artist? Yeah. So just, and we'll get into this more after we break into spoilers, but how faithful to the book was this movie? It's it's quite faithful, I'd say. Um, all of the scenes that they show in the movie, for the most part, with like little minor changes here and there, nothing like to really complain about, um, is in the book. However, of course, you know, it being a book and, you know, how, like, every book-to-movie adaptation goes, the movie leaves a lot of stuff out. Sure. Uh, mostly about Greg's life 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Like this this book goes into Greg's life just as much as it does Tommy's. So they left they left um most of that out and made the movie more about Tommy and and Greg's relationship than a biopic of both Greg yeah. and Tommy. Like apparently like, like it goes into like Greg apparently uh got a job as a lead in a Puppet Master sequel. Hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. And they go into that. And, you know, uh, Greg, you know, he, he narrates the book. It's his book. Right. He goes on this big, long tangent about the talented Mr. Ripley, mm-hmm. which they, which they like made a little nod to. In for like a the, second. For like yeah. a second. Yeah. But there's like a, like entire two page thing about how his relationship with Tommy is pretty similar to, um, the relationships in the talented Mr. Ripley, like Jude Law and Matt Damon mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And cause they, that movie was coming out at the same time their lives were that that was happening in their lives like the late 90s yeah. so that was like a whole interesting thing but for the most part it's a it's a pretty uh faithful um adaptation of of the uh of the book and i'd recommend like anyone who sees this movie if they want to know more about the story of tommy and greg absolutely go read the book or listen to the audiobook which is narrated by Greg Sestero. Mm, I might actually do that. And, that and if there is a person who almost matches James Franco's impression of Tommy Wiseau, it's Greg Sestero. Okay. Ooh, I think, <laughs> he, I think he sold me on the other He does. He, he yeah. does a fantastic uh, <laughs> impression of Tommy. Well, if anything, Greg is probably the one that's heard Tommy speak the most. Absolutely. And would be most apt to do that impression because mm-hmm. he's heard just... And I think that's the thing that kind of struck me also, just... And why I thought so much about somebody going in totally blind and why I'm glad I haven't read the book yet. And I'm excited to read the book now that we're even listening to the book now that I've seen the movie because watching this movie, there are scenes where you're just like, there's no way this happened. There's no way this is true. There's no way he actually acted like this. And I mean, you can see interviews of Tommy Wiseau online and some of that shit is just unbelievable some of the stuff mm-hmm. they left out of of the movie for being so crazy like i don't know if i want to spoil it if you want to read the yeah, book maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not okay actually. yeah, yeah. I'll, we'll read it it's, it has to do with greg's casting in the room and it's just the wildest thing yeah i think the movie really um it reminds me a lot of uh, man on the moon the biopic i was gonna say that Andy too Hoffman and uh, jim carrey playing him um and that's why i think the movie is gonna do really well and you know, if, if you just present this as it's a very, based on a real story, accurate depiction, biopic movie, with James Franco playing this insane character, I think you could still get a big audience on board. Because Andy Kaufman kind of, you know, also like, uh, I'm not, he, you know, he's, the Kaufman-esque humor uh, is also, goes for a cult audience and it's not yeah. for everybody. And I think everyone can get down with a movie about that person. So I think, you know, I think The Room's going to be even more people watching it soon. Well, yeah, similarly to Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't know if Tommy Wiseau is kind of just, like, playing this long yeah, con definitely. joke. Can you imagine? That would be incredible. That's one theory. Yeah, I've that is one a, theory. I've heard a lot of theories. Right. And there's this, um, there's this documentary that's been in the, um, like, in, in, like, the grapevine or, you know, whatever. It's called Room Full of Spoons that, like, <laughs> that, like, more accurately, um, like documents like through a whole bunch of stories and whatnot like the production of the room and who tommy is and it apparently this documentary reveals some secrets about tommy secrets that are big enough that tommy has been repeatedly suing the filmmakers who made this movie to 
not let any of this information get out and to not let this uh. this uh this like documentary be released and you know he approved the disaster artist yeah. like he worked with james franco like they talked for a long time right so if like the ridiculous amount of stuff that happens in the disaster artist did it did occur i can only imagine what that documentary what he doesn't want people to know yeah what he doesn't want if people he lets to know. if he says yeah okay you can publish that i can't yeah. imagine I love the uh, D.B. Cooper theory. Yeah. He's D.B. Cooper. I I think post-spoilers, we should go deep on the theory. Okay. Because I think that would be a good, fun part. Um, Sounds good. um, I had a a question for you, Jerry, but I lost it. Well, Um, while you think about that, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad I saw it with you guys. But I'm excited to see what Diana DeMuro, Story Screen's very own, thinks (laughs) about this because she has not seen The Room. And oh. so I'm excited to see what she thinks about going into so, it. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, my girlfriend also has not seen The Room. I think I've showed her like one or two scenes, which I almost wish now I hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. Because I would love for her to be my guinea pig and go into this cold and just see what her takeaway from this is. Because, this, again, it's James Franco. It's like kind yeah. of teen heartthrob James <laughs> yeah. Franco. Yeah playing this character it's the best role he's ever like he's he's acting the best i've ever seen him in absolutely I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's incredible completely when it comes to you want to talk about acting he completely becomes a different person yeah and i don't think it's spoilery to say that in production because this story has been going around quite a bit in production james franco stayed in character as tommy was the entire time oh that he i was bet directing this movie which really to me is the only way you can make this movie oh yeah and I read some interview um, once this that little tidbit came out. Where somebody just said to James Franco, like, "Why? What was your um? What was your creative decision like to uh, to stay in character as Tommy the entire time? Why did you choose to do that?" And James Franco was just like, "Because it was funny." Obviously, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a documentary on Netflix right now. We keep going back to this, but it's called Jim and Andy, yeah. and it's yes. the story of how Man on the Moon got made and. Jim never came to set. It was always Andy or Tony mm. Clifton coming right. to set. Right. Like, Jim Carrey never showed up. And, yeah, that's the only way you can do a film like this, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, these, like, uh, you know, like Jim Carrey having a background being a character actor and having his physical comedy is a great pick for Andy Kaufman. But I think having James Franco kind of have the run of the gambit of, like, Hollywood comedy, but also, like, he's in plenty of other movies where he just plays, like, kind of like a normal dude and... This role is just so. Good. I'm just so happy this movie got made. I'm I was so happy it exists. I was pretty. I was pretty. Uh, like when I first heard that James Franco was directing and starring, is I was pretty nervous. Yeah. At at Some first, I think you because, are, have every right to be nervous. because uh, <laughs> I don't know if right I don't know if you've ever seen any of the other movies James Franco has directed, and he's directed a lot. Like go on his IMDb, and you'd be surprised. Like I think this is his fourth movie this year. Yes. Yeah. That really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's directed a lot of movies, but this is like the only one who that's ever really gotten a theater release. He did an adaptation of Cormac McCarthy's As I Lay Dying, which oh, yeah. is apparently terrible. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> but like this is his first movie that's ever really been like critically acclaimed in in that regard it's kind of poetic because i think this movie only exists because of james franco's sheer will to make this movie exist sure absolutely yeah. and the fact that he does so much other stuff that is pretty much failures right yeah. well you could say pretty much objectively those other movies if he's done four other movies this year that none of us in this room who i think have been 
pretty much finger on the pulse of most movies <laughs> coming out. <laughs> have not even heard of. He just does a whole bunch of the shit. The fact that James right. Franco said, I want to make a movie about Tommy Wiseau. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to direct it. I'm going to star in it. And I'm going to make this movie happen is so poetically parallel to the entire idea of what Tommy Wiseau did. Exactly. Seriously. I yeah. think that, that's the magic that this made, that makes this movie work yeah. as well as it does. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Greg says at the beginning of the film, he says, I want to learn from you because you don't care what people think. You just get out there and experience things and have emotions on stage. And so, yeah, James Franco is kind of doing the, the same thing. Yeah, he's just putting work out there because he wants to work and he loves it. Mm-hmm. And I saw him cares? on Broadway. Yeah. Like a few years ago. He did Of Mice and Men <laughs> with uh, Chris O'Dowd from yeah. uh, the IT crowd. He w- uh, James Franco was George and Chris O'Dowd was, was Lenny. Was, was Lenny. It, was, it, was ki- it was kind of weird, but at the same time, it was like a really good production. Was yeah. that the one James Franco got himself into a little bit of trouble outside of tangentially? We don't have to go into that. But oh, yeah. 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 yeah okay, that, it was okay. that one. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah. But, I know uh, what you mean. <laughs> yeah. He got himself in a little trouble. Yeah, not on purpose. Yeah, but yeah. supposedly, but yeah. you know, that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, do you guys have more thoughts? I think I, I would, we have a lot more to talk about this movie. If, do we recommend but do we want to? Yes. Oh fuck yeah! Yes, I would definitely see. recommend it. I do. Do you guys? Obviously, we're curious to hear what people who haven't seen the room would feel about this movie. But would you recommend seeing the room first? That's um, a good question. I mean, I've seen articles coming out. That I have not read, but articles coming out saying, should you see The Room before you go see The Disaster Artist? And seeing those articles pop up, I didn't even read them because I'm like, yeah, a fucking course you should <laughs> see The Room. Yeah. Do you have to watch the entirety of The Room? Probably not. You have can to you watch go on both YouTube? sex scenes? There's more than two. Can you? Can Which you are essentially the same. Yeah. They are the same. There's two or three with just Tommy in them. And yeah. There's other ones. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless... You could probably get the gist out of like some YouTube supercuts that sure. I know are out there. You know what I recommend? Watch the Nostalgia Critic review from like seven years ago. He he's like a big like YouTube like reviewer. He's like kind of a critic, and he's kind of the reason why why the room blew up outside of like Los Angeles as like a Los Angeles in joke, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how it like blew up on the internet was his exposure of the movie by reviewing it. And, like, he does a good job of, like, you know, if you really don't want to sit through it, like, he does a good job of, like, um, summing up the movie and, like, showing the, uh, like, the best the best scenes and, like, talking about them and whatnot, so. I guess, but even just watching, like, a cut of some of the best scenes presented without comment, I think, is just fine. Oh, totally. An idea of, yeah. But really, if you want the full experience, it is... Yeah. An experience to sit down and watch the entire thing front to back. It's oh, an endurance I think, challenge I think for you sure. Should tough it out because I think it does make. Do I think you can enjoy the disaster artist that's in the room? Yeah, like, I think you need to have a base understanding of what mm-hmm. it is going in. But other than that, like you're still, I think you would still enjoy it because it's so entertaining. But I do think like the best experience is seeing the the room and then seeing disaster artist. Yeah, yeah. I had Heath, my fiance see it because he hadn't seen it we watched it about two weeks ago mm. and i was like if you want to see the disaster artist with me i think it would be best and he was like yeah i've been meaning to see the room for a long time and I'm yeah. like, all right well let's do it <laughs> it's gonna be great you're it's gonna love it pop culture like it's it's one of those movies yeah I, I think the best thing about the disaster artist and having seen the entirety of the room is thinking about the room and what that what actually made it 
as a film, what, what actually got released, and thinking that it's a miracle that it even came together that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. The fact that it's, like, more of a movie than uh, Batman vs. Superman. The fact well, that's, you know. <laughs> no, the, you know the what? The fact that, it's, that it is a movie that exists is a miracle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Go ahead. I think I'm with Robbie on that one. I consider Thank The you. Room more of a movie than Batman versus Superman. Is. <laughs> that it's cause may, as, that as, may be a matter of taste. As, <laughs> as, cause, cause as, as crazy and as ridiculous and as terrible as The Room is, you can tell it has like a genuine, like, yeah. its heart is in the right place. And you can like feel all the like misguided love that's put into that movie mm-hmm. compared to like other bad movies of of like the same uh, cloth cut from the same cloth. Well, it is this man's vision. And it, yeah, one hundred percent. It does give you a palette of like this is how this person thinks and feels, and like it's a little scary and it's super fascinating. I mean, yeah. if you put up against something like Batman versus Superman, it is the complete and total abject opposite sure for sure and batman is bad because it's disingenuous and is a marketing machine and is a mess of a marketing machine right the room is bad but because of a sheer ineptitude because of sheer ineptitude right and and just a complete lack of talent but (laughs) it has it only exists because of how passionate tommy wiseau was pure willpower yeah pure force of will to make it exist right and when you put it in that context it is better than something like Batman vs. Superman sure. because of how much of a person's heart was poured out onto all of whatever. <laughs> yeah. Genuine's a good word. Like, it does, it, it feels like it's a movie made by a person, not by, like, a marketing machine. Well, alien, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> you know, made by another species. Person, yeah. you know. And I feel the same way about the disaster eyes. It seems like James does have, like, a genuine love for the room and like a genuine right. love for Tommy. Right. And this, this movie is a, is a great tribute to him. Mm-hmm. But even outside of that, like this is a well-made and acted. There are some amazing performances in this, in this movie. It is yeah. a very well-made movie. If yeah. I have, if I have a few criticisms about this movie, I don't think the directing of it is like anything like worth like standing out for. Like the direction is fine. Like, you know, he presents the scenes, everything is seen clearly, but there's nothing like, I guess exceptional about the directing, but that's a nitpick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think you need like that kind of level of flair to make because what is going on on screen is so absurd that I think you can just kind of point a camera. Let at it be it what it is. It, if I if I were to compare it to another film based on a famously terrible director, Ed Wood, your favorite movie, yeah, Ed that, Wood is great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that has a lot more flair to it but you know that's a that's a different story but um right but i don't but i don't know i think i think personally it'd be funny to me if um if james franco directed like some of the scenes like how the room is framed oh do you know do you know what i like, mean yeah. similar like faded color S- yeah yeah i think that would have been just like set up a camera in one corner of the room and just let shit play out kind of have dialogue yeah. off screen sort of. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, i almost thought we were gonna get because i i when we were coming into the movie, I wasn't really sure what shape the movie was. I'm like, is it literally like half documentary, or is it all like kind of like narrative and biopic piece? I'm I'm happy with what we got. I think that's like the best version of yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of a pure 
adaptation, but also a, a biopic in that way as well. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying at the beginning. I was surprised at how much of a kind of a pure drama. Yeah. Comedy right. Drama yeah. This was. I'm not. I'm not saying it. It detracts from the movie in any way. It would just been. It would have elevated the movie a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And, sure. no, it's, and it's a valid criticism for sure. And I'll, also, I have a couple of issues with Dave Franco's performance as as. As Greg. Greg. You should get more into that later. Okay. So I think we probably absolutely... speak scene by scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. So I definitely want to chew. I don't know if I agree, but I definitely want to chew on that idea. Yeah. Because I can see what you mean. Mm-hmm. I really love how there's this critic, and I forget his name. He has seen this he has seen the room over a hundred times. Oh my god. And I love his explanation of how the room is a film made by a person who this was his rough analysis. Had maybe never seen a movie in his life that had been told (laughs) excessively what a movie is supposed to be. And we kind of get a little bit of that in The Disaster Artist where Greg is showing Tommy all of these movies. And he was like, oh, that's great. I loved that. And it's like, yeah, you've never seen these movies that you would think a filmmaker, someone who wants to make it in the business, would have seen by now. But that's how this movie is so great. That only is more supporting evidence to my outer space yeah i mean he has some understanding of theater it seems like i mean and then uh, streetcar named desire takes place in new orleans right oh Mm. does it i think it does i read that book in high school i don't remember Uh, i could be be wrong we'll check during the break that's even greater if it is but i think i think it is and i think that might you know that might be service some kind of like why that's his go-to yeah yeah i'm pretty sure when we come back we'll debunk uh Yeah, yeah absolutely this movie is fascinating. Tommy Wiseau is fascinating. The room yes. is fascinating. Mm-hmm. James Franco is fascinating. See the fucking movie. See, See it. See the fucking movie. See this movie, and I think honestly, whatever order you do it in, you're fine. You're gonna have a good time. If you time. watch The Room and then see this, you'll enjoy this movie more. If you watch this movie, I guarantee you, you're going to want to go out and see The Room. Yes. ASAP. Uh, just yes. Like pure curiosity. Because yeah. it, right. it seriously would spark a lot of curiosity if someone hasn't seen it. I think it makes like seeing those side by side. Uh, we'll talk about. We'll it. talk about that. We'll talk yeah. About it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, All right. Uh, well, stick with us. We're gonna have a quick break, and then we'll be back with some spoilers. Hi, this is Bernadette Gorman from Story Screen. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast, our hot take about the disaster artist based on the making of The Room. Uh, If you enjoy films about the making of movies and love for Hollywood and movie making process, Mike Burge and I just did a podcast recently about La La Land. We both really loved the film and we came back a year later to talk about our thoughts and how it stuck with us. So feel free to check that out. Look into us on StoryScreenBeacon.com and you can find us through Instagram and Facebook and all of the great places where you find information about StoryScreen. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get back to talking about the disaster artist. We're back. We're going to spoil the disaster artist. Spoilers. Spoilers for a streetcar named Desire. It does take place in New Orleans. I was right. (laughs) You were right. You were right. I don't think that's a spoiler. They probably say that on the first page of the play, but... Maybe. Definitely that's, colors. That's, that's pretty film. cool. Yeah. Colors uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau's backstory. I gotta say, yeah. I just read the clip notes on that one. Mm. I, I only know the Simpsons episode. <laughs> right. So we're pretty much on the same page. <laughs> I, I, I think I might know a little bit more. 
I've seen I've seen the movie. I've seen the yeah. one with Marlon Brando. It's quite it's quite good. I, I really did it. not remember that it was in New Orleans though. So. I mean, you know, uh, theater of the mind. It's, it's yeah. mostly in a in a in a room yeah. <laughs> in an apartment. Uh, Probably so. more aptly called the room than the room. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing about Tommy Wiseau. He was obsessed with Tennessee Williams, and he yes. wanted to basically make a Tennessee Williams, Williams style drama right. with the room. But we all know how that went. Okay, so. We all had a good laugh from mm. this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to down here. Oh my god. I'm going to get down here and use my, my bedtime voice. Robbie knows this one. All too well. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> um, it really even says right here on the box, experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot, which is just so dark when you think about the last like 10 minutes of the disaster artist. But yeah. So there's kind of a throwaway line, and this might launch us into the the theory portion of this podcast, but Tommy mentions when he's talking to Greg early in this movie, when they're just getting to know each other when they first met, after he says he's from New New Orleans, that he had an accident and he almost died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I think what Greg might be thinking is, he clearly has this weird Eastern European thing going on. He's probably just lying about the New Orleans thing. But, and I think maybe this is, I don't know too much about this. This is where my mind went to, and maybe there's more theories on this. Does Tommy Wiseau just have brain damage? And yeah. is he just, like... Is he rich from the accident? Well, I don't know about that, but is he just someone with brain damage? And are we... And this is what I mean. I, I, I said a little, I prefaced, I was going to throw this question at you guys. And like a little bit of my watching of this film was colored by, are we kind of having a gas at this person who is, and we said it before, is very genuine and seems to really pour his heart into this, is just has brain damage and has like a speech impediment because he has some brain damage. You're looking at me <laughs> a funny look, Jeremy. Is it that hard to believe? No. no. Well, it's no. It's not hard to believe. I don't think it's true, though. It's as credible because, as any theory we're about to come up with. I guess. Yeah. Because, um, well, I, I do believe that he might have had an, an accident, and it might have affected him in, in some way. But there's a uh, that Jimmy Kimmel interview that, um, that I mentioned earlier. He did say he was from Eastern Europe. And really? and this was like really and and that's a big deal. And yeah. James and James Franco was like sitting there like you never told me this. <laughs> like this wow. was I am from Eastern Europe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was just he mentions he mentions it like so casually. And it's James not Fra- a big deal. <laughs> and you care? Don't worry about it. So that it. like that like paints like a tiny little bit of a picture of of like. Yeah. Where Tommy is from, but I don't really buy the brain damage thing because I think Tommy is smarter than he lets on. He just doesn't like to reveal a whole lot about his life. He definitely has some secrets. He yeah, has some, sure. probably some really dark secrets, probably the ones that are in that documentary, which is currently uh, being on hold from re- release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when you put together the A A to B that he's a very, very secretive person who has a lot of, an almost bottomless amount of money, Yeah. there's some pretty dark implications there. But I, it, yeah, I, I did go to the place that maybe this is a person who is just... Impaired in a way it's a good that made me feel maybe a little bit bad about, and he said it's only because he says it early in the movie that he had an accident, he almost died, but he didn't. He didn't. 
he just seems to have really like he's in like super good shape, and he has like it seems to be like pretty like good motor skills for the most part. That's why I don't think he has <laughs> motor like, skills. I mean, he can drive. Impaired, <laughs> <laughs> you can impair your he brain in ways that leave your motor skills intact. Still intact. I suppose so. It's, I guess. I guess I just don't buy it as much if like. He got in this accident that was so debilitating that it would impair things like his speech and stuff like that. I think that he would physically, you might be able to notice more of these quirks or things. In my mind, it's more of like a Rain Man scenario. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair, too. Yeah. Uh, these movies really don't have anything in common, but I get where you're coming from, Jack. Uh this is an unpopular opinion, but I really like the movie The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville. Oh, that and movie's great. Interesting. No, it's but terrible. still, you're both wrong. But still, <laughs> it's terrible. But, but when you watch it, yeah, you're like, am I having a laugh when I shouldn't have a laugh? Well, that yeah, movie I you totally want. get what you're saying. <laughs> no, I actually really enjoy that movie. I mean, where the fuck do we get ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Tropic Thunder. Like, you don't go full retard. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So I don't know. I can see where you're coming from. It's a little conflicting. I don't know. It's viable, but I think that's too easy of an explanation when it comes to Tommy. I I think it's probably way more complicated. So so there's, I get this is kind of spoilers for the book, but I'm going to go into this anyway. That's okay. Um, Don't worry about that too much. Okay. So, so I'm surprised they left this out in the movie, but there's a scene where, where Greg, you know, it's pretty similar to the one in the movie where Greg is asking, where does this money come from? Where does all this money come from? And Tommy was... kind of with Tommy. Yeah, and like, Tommy was like, okay, I tell you. So they go to San Francisco. <laughs> 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 I, I, like, I okay. <laughs> so they go to this... So they go back to San Francisco, just like in the movie, mm-hmm. but they go to this warehouse. Korean it's like, leather jackets. Yeah, you know about this. So, so, oh, he, so he takes out... The, remember that giant wad of keys that he has in the beginning so he takes out that giant wad of keys and he opens this this warehouse and greg is just like what the fuck and yet he opens it and there's this giant warehouse full of leather jackets in there and it's and and tommy's like yeah i have this place this is my place so (laughs) it's kind of an explanation to where he might have gotten some of the money crazy like He's like the man with the key. He's like the man with the opportunities, but they're all he's kind the of shitty. Master. But like he's like he has like I mean it makes sense that like a, a character like Greg wants to just so bad be an up and coming actor. Mm-hmm. It's like he's following this man who has literally like a ring, a janitor's ring of keys. That mm-hmm. are like once in my apartment in LA, you can come with me there, and then once in my Mercedes, and it's just like it, it, he's is so seemingly. It just make I feel like it makes sense for like a nineteen year old kid to be like. This is my this is my shot. I'm gonna follow this estranged artist, and it gets so deep where he's like, now I just feel kind of bad. Mm-hmm. But I can't leave him. He's my friend. I think it's the curiosity that drove him to do that. Oh, for and sure. It's also, the curiosity that leads all of us to sit down and watch the entirety of the room. Yeah. And you know the sheer curiosity of James Franco, like making this movie, which he didn't even fully solve. Like all the mysteries of Tommy Wiseau by making I don't think this movie. He cares about them solving the mysteries. Sure, right. He wants to tell. The story of how the room got made, but I don't. Like, For sure, he likes the mystery. I think the mystery is part of the story. That's yeah, the story is so great is like is not knowing, and you know, maybe when Tommy Wiseau um, goes back to his planet where his people need him, <laughs> the story will come out and yeah. we'll see what the truth might be. But I think it will it will sully what makes the disaster artist in the movie so great is 
is the mystery of just like, is any of this plausible? How did this happen? And the answer is yes to both. <laughs> the, the search for the answer is always more rewarding Exciting. than the, than the answer itself. Yeah. That said, mm-hmm. I really hope, and I don't say this about people too often, I hope Tommy Wiseau dies before I do, so that I can see that documentary you were talking about. Yes, and learn those secrets. <laughs> he does not want it. That's the nice way. I to really, say really it. want to know. Yeah, you know, it's so it's so fickle. Like you know, either like it'll like never come out, or it'll come out tomorrow. Who knows? Right. Because well, that's gone. That's the other thing that I couldn't help but think. Like, what is this going to do for Tommy Wiseau? Like, I mean, it got him on Jimmy is, fucking Kimmel. Now so. <laughs> is, yeah, but now that this movie is out, and now that it is doing very well in the box office, and now that people... I mean, The Room has still been a very niche thing. Sure. Um, the the Room is almost like a litmus test for a lot of people. Like, can we be close friends? Have you seen The Room? Yeah? Okay, cool. We're oh, my good. God. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay, sit down. When I, yeah. um, when I first uh, moved into my initial... Like, when I lived at Dutchess Community College in the dorms there, like, a couple months after we started living there and I made, like, a group of friends, I showed them the room. And most of them have never heard of it. it like, it was, a, it was a good time, but the sex scenes were pretty awkward because my friends were like, are you just showing us a bad porno? It, it, it totally, <laughs> yeah. like, he gets right in there. Like, Seriously. Right yeah, Seriously, yeah. but then I was like, no, 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 just keep watching. Like it's those worth it. The, like those I, are the hardest parts. I, I fast forward so through through the sex Aww. scenes. I, I fast forward. Leave me now. I, well, I feel like I feel like Tommy is the type of person who felt like he had worked so hard on everything in his life, including yeah. his body, and he was like, I want people to appreciate this. Oh, they sure. have to see my ass. They, they have, have to, to see, see my, my ass. ass. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you show them my ass. <laughs> They really do, and and it and it helps because it makes you know you fast forward the sex scenes, so it's just like fast fast forward sex scenes, and that's always really funny. And it's still probably pretty long. Yeah, I watched the movie two years ago. I was in my college apartment by myself, and I still fast forward to the sex scene. Really? Because I was afraid someone was going to walk inside and see me in the living room. Is that what it looks like? It's like no, it's the. Room. They're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is the room? He's like, why aren't you masturbating? Like, it's not boring. Like, I don't understand what's happening. When when we watched it a couple weeks ago, it was Heath and I, and then three of the people in the army band. One of them hadn't seen it. It was two girls and one dude. This is what Heath does, right? Yeah. He's on the army band. The army band was also there. (laughs) And we had a fire going. And we were roasting chestnuts and making it so romantic. And then Courtney looked at me and she was like, is this real? Is this like a a real movie? Is this a serious movie? We're like, yes, Courtney. It's taken very It is. (laughs) More than you know. Yeah. (laughs) Good setting. Setting the mood for this excellent sex scene that replays. That was one of my my favorite parts of this entire movie is the, the screening where they are. They show a lot of the movie like as they've recreated it, yeah. and the, the audience reaction, especially the people that are there at the premiere, lovingly recreated, lovingly yes. recreated for sure to the fucking letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have recreated those scenes. It's remarkable how close he got. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is why I didn't want to say this before the break, but I also thought again about people who had not seen the room or heard of the room that it's essential he does that kind of super cut of the side by sides at the end yeah not just for us who have seen the room to think like oh it's really fun like he actually did this to be like no 
It's like it's this. It's actually like this. Yeah. Like, we're not exaggerating. It's exactly like this. It, they're hammering home the, the truth aspect. It's like, this This is real. Yeah. It's, this you might think there's like some weird, crazy story about this person who doesn't exist. No. Like, no, seriously. He's a real fucking dude, and he really did this. Which is the way, time yeah. and time again, I you guys have probably had this experience as well, but when you try, try to explain to someone who does not know what the room oh is. Oh my god. What the room is. It's like, whew, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the best, worst movie ever made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's so much, it's, it, it is, you have to see it to believe it. Like, yep. when you oh, say yeah. it's the best, worst movie ever made, it's unbelievable oh, until you actually it. see it. It's like, well, no, well, but seriously. We'll get you there. <laughs> it's really, and that might be the one thing that you lose from the YouTube supercuts. Because like, when you right. watch the whole thing. Start mm-hmm. and finish. Oh, it's, it's worth it though. I just, I really think. Just like, that's tough what I'm it saying. Up and watch a shit movie. Like, just do it. It's I worth it to like it. understand, yeah, just, like, just, the, just how. It's unbelievable. Just, yeah. just really the, the sheer insane decision makings. That <laughs> especially, yeah. especially if you're like interested in film and you're like a part of filmmaking. Right. Like, why would you film a rooftop scene? By building a green screen around a fake rooftop outside. Yeah. Why can't you, you just film on a rooftop? Or, or in the like, alley. Yeah. Or in the alley. I mean, yeah, like Seth, yeah. San, Seth Rogen, uh, Sandy Schlair points that out, but he it, he doesn't really like emphasize just the sheer absurdity yeah. of just building, you know. It's a real Hollywood picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he understands Hollywood, but at the same time, he doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. I think that's part of like his character as well, is he just wants to be the genuine American hero so bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's I mean, it could dying be, for that. If he is actually from Eastern Europe, which I will not say he is or not, you know, he might have. Um, it would make sense that, like, he wanted to come to America to be, like, the Western hero, to, to, to be that thing, and acting was a way to do that. Like, maybe watch a fucking John Wayne movie, or super into theater, and, like, that's his story. And, and the thing is, like, that's the American dream, where you came from another place and made a fucking movie. It's really bad, but, like, you, that is the American dream, is, like, coming someplace, coming to American soil just making it happen and just like doing like using your willpower to make you happy yeah tommy is a extreme case in this situation but yeah pretty much in the hollywood system if you aren't exactly 100 percent what they're looking for you are made to feel like you don't belong and you are the villain the way Mm. tommy gets told all the time so yeah Yeah. this poor man he's the outside just wants to be the hero i mean um greg's mom in the, who played by? Do you know that? Megan Mullally. Yeah. Yes, Megan Mullally. Yes, great cameo. I guess you did. I was <laughs> hurt. You I was really gashed. hoping that Nick Offerman was going to be the dad. The dad. Yeah. Oh, that would have been pretty. Good. I was like, just give it to me. I, I think they went into in the book. They go into where Greg's Greg's dad went, but Maybe I don't. I don't fully okay. remember. That's fair. Yeah, his, I gasped when I saw her. I was like, there's so much. Is Greg said, an only child? I believe I believe so. It's okay. been a, it's been a couple of years since I read and listened to the audiobook. Sure, so, sure. so I don't okay. fully remember all Greg's. It's not the standout part of that book. Yeah. Sure. She does say it's Hollywood is all who you know. Like L.A. is the people that you know. If you yeah. don't have any connections there, and they really go into it as the outsiders who don't know anyone. I mean, it's crazy. He he seemingly got an agent like his his like almost like first few days in L.A., mm-hmm. but it still didn't get him much. You right. Know? So, Jeremy, without having read the book, I had heard even more things about, like, 
reshoots and oh, yeah. getting fired and rehired. Oh and yeah. That's not even to mention all the ADR, like the entire Oh yeah, they don't even go into the ADR they don't touch in this movie. Any of that stuff. Like you can make this movie could have been two and a half hours long and just been about the making of the room and just the sheer just the onset in, insanity. Like, do you want me to tell the story about Greg and and like his casting in the room or do you want to tell that story? Sure. Yeah. So, so unlike what the movie says, Greg was not the original person to play Mark. Mm. Greg was originally just a line producer for for uh well he was in tommy's mind he was the original mark but greg didn't know that at the time okay so he was just a line producer (laughs) so so they so they hired a guy to play mark and day one of the set like the guy who plays mark is already he's all ready to go and then tommy just tells greg no you're mark (laughs) and like this this guy you're fired like this, like this guy who like prepared for this role oh and was like gosh. ready to go. The day he shows up on set, he gets fired because God. because he wanted Greg Sestero and Mark, on... who is not prepared. Whatsoever. No, not Greg, none whatsoever. Not whatsoever. Nope. Shows... Oh my gosh! <laughs> the movie I think does a, it does a really good job. I think we touched on this in like the first half, but it just touched upon like kind of the desperation to be in like the Hollywood system and to yeah. be hard making a movie because all of these production people stay. And when he tries to fire them, they're like, no. Am I actually fired, though? Like, don't fire me. And, like, you know, they're doing it to get paid, obviously. But they're also doing it because, like, they want to be on another movie. They want to keep finding work. And, like, right. they're just like, they're like, I just really hope this is it. And and they're a part of this, like, joke of a movie. And it's, it's, it's really sad in a way. Like, can you imagine, like, being like, this is my big break and it's all going terrible. You're just like, well, I can't. We, I mean, it's the reason why in the film, um, uh. Uh, Dave Franco doesn't take the Malcolm in the Middle gig, you know. Right. It's like that. That's one of the saddest scenes in the movie. Oh today. yeah, and they go like cut right to him shaving his beard that he needs for that role. It's just like, and it was like a oh. Samson moment. Like yeah, he was definitely. stripping his power, yeah, exactly. by shaving his face. And yeah. it's like it's like a friendship move, but it also is yeah, definitely a stripping of power. Was that mm-hmm. beard real? No, no way. No way Dave Franco could, okay. could grow a beard like that. I mean, even that beard was not <laughs> exceptional. Like, I, don't, no. I, don't, I don't think there's there's much hair in the Franco family. No, not a ton. You know? No. Mm. I, just, <laughs> I forgot you're their doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've seen it all. <laughs> James Franco has never sported like all that much of, no. of a real beard They're in real life. To cover up He's, yeah, they faces. have good jawlines. They yeah, they do. They do. My face is, is hideous, which is why I come <laughs> oh. Yeah, you accent the jawline with facial hair. That's yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Unless you have a, like a chiseled jaw. Which I do not. Neither do I. Yeah. So mm-hmm. lot, a lot of cameos, a lot of small roles by a lot of... Uh, a lot of people. In yeah. This we get it like yeah. Hannibal Barres, who's just, oh, just, just kind of there. We, we're businessmen. We sell stuff. We sell it. Let's sell, <laughs> Let's it sell to them. them. We, just like you said, like all, all of everyone from How Did This Get Made, which I think is how I first found out about the room. Mm-hmm. How Did This Get Made is a podcast which uh, is has Paul Shear, Jason Manzugas, and June Dan Rayfield as the hosts. Um, big improv sketch comedy foot people, and they have the How Did This Get Made is a podcast on Earwolf where they talk about just terrible movies. Burns drinking the form of beer now. There we go. Nicely done. You got it. But yeah, mm-hmm. they they all of our beers are exploding. They they um, they talk about bad movies. They talk about bad movies and and they you know they they riff on it, but they also go into a lot of the, the production history and like kind of what they they know about the flick. Um, 
and they're all in this movie. Yeah, and it's it's mm-hmm. so good because like that's how I first heard about the room, and like I love how this get made. That was like it's one of my favorite podcasts, and just when I like it, like one by one, it's like oh Jason Mendes is here, oh yeah Paul Shear, it's like June and everyone's here. Well, Paul and June are married. married yes. Yeah. Great couple of them. Ball's in your court now. How did this get made? Next time you shout us out. That? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're Thank welcome you. for all those new listeners. Bob Odenkirk. Oh, so good. Yes. Yes. So as good. a weird, a, 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 that little like, long hair and a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, Nathan yeah, Fielder. Nathan oh my God. Oh God. I heard both you guys gasp. Nathan Fielder. I knew yeah. he was in this movie, but I forgot. I forgot too. I, Someone did tell me that. I The other day, my Google News Feed does the thing when movies come out. Somehow, I don't know what the algorithm is, but it always says when, the, when a new movie comes out, it is. it says like, this movie... With this person, and it's always like Obscure. six or seven people down on the IMDb list at least. Mm-hmm. So the other day it said the disaster artist with Nathan Fielder is in theaters today, and I was like, "Really? That's who you're gonna pay for that one?" Yeah. Also, I, you no, gave no, that away, and I didn't Frank know, out. and I would have been so excited to be surprised by Nathan Fielder. I'm He's a true. dead ringer for for the guy not, who not plays bad. who. Not bad. You know, I'm surprised they didn't go into the thing where they replaced that actor. In the end Midway scene, in the movie. yeah, they yeah. replaced him with like they pretend it's a different character, but it's supposed that, to be the that same. That would have been really funny. Yeah, if they got another person to play that character. That's that what I'm, I'm kind of surprised yeah. that they didn't get more into the replacing actors on set and then re-recording the dialogue. I think it just they wanted to streamline. Yeah, the yeah, yeah sure. And they and they want. I'm sure they wanted uh, like people to see this movie and like discover new things as they just go yeah. down this right. ro- Tommy was so room rabbit, rabbit I mean, hole. When you guys yeah. leave tonight like I'm going on the Google and I'm doing some fucking yeah, do some weird reasons. Yeah. I'm going uh, down the rabbit hole. It's going down. Well I love during the screening scene when they're all watching the room they do kind of speak to the fact that these actors don't really know each other that well. Right. Because yeah. yeah even Nathan Fielder oh, as man. Peter says to the guy who plays Chris R who is Zach Efron yeah. he was like yeah. oh yeah so I'm also good. in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, oh I cool! Didn't, I didn't recognize cool. you without yeah. your beanie and your, and your beard. beard. I didn't recognize. I didn't realize that was well, Zach Efron yeah, until like yeah, weird. Weird. so good. Zach Efron, it's so good. Oh, but even that Nathan Fielder moment is a very Nathan. Fielder it's so moment. good. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Hi. Um. I also was in this movie. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, it's good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but going back to the ADR specifically, when they're doing the side by side of. Of Sorry. careful there, Robbie. Uh, uh, what out. Franco recorded, or what they what they shot for this movie versus the original, which is way more than what you actually see in the Disaster Artist, which yes. is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the thing that they're missing in those scenes is they didn't re-record. They didn't ADR over yeah. those scenes, well, and I think that's yeah. the like one little uncanny valley thing that makes it not quite exactly exactly the same. Right. Sure. Close enough. It's like, close enough, but ninety nine point five percent. But, but close I think enough. maybe because they're showing that this is how it was recorded on set. Sure, and that's yeah. like what we're seeing is like the real time set recording, not the. But the ADR yeah, in the room is one of the most mind boggling <laughs> things about that. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Every single line of dialogue, and like you, like you said, they went out of their way to record to film like rooftop scenes. On a state, like in like a uh, with a green screen, like inside. No, outside. Outside, but in like a parking screen. lot. But you can get clean audio. Yeah. That, yet they ADR'd it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 
crazy. Because that's what they do in Hollywood. That's what they do. When real Hollywood <laughs> movie. Real Hollywood movie. Hollywood yeah. movie. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it's oh. just it's just a joy of a flick. Really. Yeah. So it is good. so good. Yeah. And like it I really like all the human elements that kinda they they fold in all these things that are super relatable while still keeping intact the absurdism and like what makes the room the room and they make Tommy a relatable character. But they also make him like someone where he he can be so crazy where he's scary to be in the room with. Like a little this, bit. Yeah. The scenes we haven't really talked about the sex scene as they when, as they're filming it, yeah. which oh, is yeah. funny, but like gets to a point where it's like this is one more of the dramatic elements of the Very film dramatic. really come in and, and it's super uncomfortable and like it's just like Oh, this like probably happens on other movies, but like this is a very hyperbolized, like not good way to see. It. And like you know, it, it also it shows Tommy Wiseau in not a great light as yeah. well. No. You know, oh, no. I felt very uncomfortable during those. Scenes. I'm sure he's not the easiest person to work with. No, no, no. <laughs> but I had the same thought during yeah. that scene, especially thinking like it pulls back the curtain a little bit in a way that like these are people making movies that you you know become art in their own way. Right. But at the end of the day, it's people in a room together and people fight with mm-hmm. each other, especially yeah. when they're working hard and tense. Especially right. yeah. uh, Sandy and Tommy, the Seth Rogen character. Like, yeah. They, they, yeah. they really like could not trust each other. So mm-hmm. you've talked to me many moons ago about that Seth Rogen character specifically. Uh-huh. Oh, no, maybe you were talking about it during the uh, coming attractions that re- we recorded. Yeah, uh, so, so like, years after the movie came out, the real Sandy Schlair, Seth Rogen's character, said that Tommy Wiseau did not direct one scene of that movie, that it was oh all, goodness. that it was all Sandy, like, I directed that movie, Tommy just acted, he didn't, he didn't direct a fucking thing. I think that's just Sandy, like, trying to take credit Probably. on, like, I don't know for sure, because I wasn't there, of I course. Feel like I feel <laughs> more on the side of, like, I totally that i mean when you right. watch when you're watching the because yeah when you the watch movie, the movie like it's, tommy's not directing anything he's just kind of yelling at that he has no fucking clue how to direct, well, how to direct. Thing. like he might tell people be like oh put the camera right there and then uh shoot it like this and Cause, dude where's the hd yeah. or even <laughs> just say at the same time. get the oh. lights ready are the yeah, lights ready like, okay we're good to go yeah but, it's like he doesn't yeah. have any concepts with that sandy schneider no. like he was he was hired as a script supervisor. I mean, he's directing the movie. <laughs> he's directing the movie. He's the guy saying action in yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, right. It's, such, it's such a wild story. Well, if Tommy's on, on set, you need somebody to say cut. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, how does that normally work if... I don't know if any of us really have the answer to that, but, like, for movies that are uh, directed but also acted in by the director, do they usually have, like, your assistant, like... The director do like the kind of cuts and actions. And things I think like that, I or... think I've heard stories that like Orson Welles, like when he starred and directed in his own stuff, he he said he, like, he was the one that said cut. But I don't know if that's every case. Sure, yeah. I guess it's hard. I get maybe it's like a case by case basis too. Right. Um, either way, I don't think Tommy was so directed much of this movie. No, I think he thinks he did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's positive. He's right. definitely the brainchild of the movie. Well, he's oh, more yes. the producer than the director. I yeah. would say. Right. But he's funneling the money into the flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, not to take away from Tommy's creative vision. Of course. But I, I do believe Sandy when when he says like you know, I directed all the scenes. I think this right. movie like kind of comes together as like a thing and whoever edited this movie just fucking bless their heart like someone (laughs) 
like, the room or the disaster artist? The room. The room. Oh, okay. yeah. Whoever, like edited that movie, just like someone give a big hug right now. Well, that's what kind of what I was saying before. Yeah, you, it's, yeah. What does it say on the DVD cover um, there? Um, edited by produced. Oh, so <laughs> uh, wait. I think I, it's it's super small. Get out your bifocals. Yeah. Edited <laughs> by Eric. Yalkut Chase. Ooh. Is that a real person? Uh, <laughs> he's he's Eastern Northern European. Oh, okay. He's, he's, uh, he's also from New Orleans. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, an anagram for Beelzebub. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. 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 You just revealed the dark secret the dark, dark yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Yes, Tommy's going to be out for watch, this podcast. If you watch the room backwards in slow motion, it oh. tells you to worship Satan. Oh, shit. Damn. Because Tommy is a vampire, maybe. He's, <laughs> he's, he's an agent of chaos. Some people oh, just God. watch the world burn. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, to talk about like a few little, not issues, but things that I would have liked to have seen expounded upon. Sure. I really did like that little bit of dialogue during the screening process of The Room in the film. Where one of the women says to uh, Juliet, who plays Lisa... She was like, well, you're the star of this film. Because the last time I watched The Room, I was like, yeah, Lisa's in like almost every single scene. Yeah. Almost. She's like kind of, she's one of the main characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I would have liked to have seen the Lisa character a little bit more. Yeah. The disaster artist. I think maybe it's but because like that I understand. so problematic. Especially yeah. in the current climate where it's like, she's a character who is like, she's like the least feminist archetype. Absolutely. Period. Well, there's so I a think great. Maybe they don't want to give a credence. She's written how. by a man who clearly has no idea. No. How, how respecting women? Needs. How women function at all? No. There's a great Especially line. Especially human women. Yeah. He's like he's new to the whole thing. Yeah. In the room, Lisa says she's on the phone with Mark, and she was like, "Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. What do you want me to do?" And it's like, "Shit! <laughs> Come on, Lisa." Yeah, it's a bad character. But in those shot-for-shot scenes where you're seeing the two of them together, Uh that actress, Ari Grainer, who plays Juliet, playing Lisa. Oh, my God. (laughs) Every beer we've opened on this podcast (laughs) has basically been a shotgun beer. Bernadette was talking about something really interesting, and you just had to kill that trick. I did it. I did it to him. Uh, but yeah, I think Ari Grainer playing Lisa, playing Juliet, playing Lisa in those shot-for-shot uh, shot yeah. scenes at the end, she was the most on point for portraying Lisa from the room. The hair. Oh, but the hair is so bad. <laughs> so bad. There's a lot of fake hair in this movie. Yes. I mean, it's so good. But so it's much so fake so hair. So bad. Yeah. Denny. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. So funny. <laughs> Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Well, what? How old is my character? It's the same age as you. Fourteen, fifteen. I'm twenty six. He's like, okay, sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, even in the room, he's like supposedly college age because Johnny is paying for his college education. Oh, yeah. And they're like, God, this kid is weird. <laughs> also, just Johnny Rousseau has no concept of anything. No. Of human life. That's my, again, all it. of this, My I think my theory really is the running. Yeah. It's a running gag that he's from another planet. Tom, it's not planet a gag, Tom, man. man. It's truth. The truth is out there. I want to believe. I like that he's a, <laughs> is it J.B. Cooper? D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. I like mm-hmm. that he, I like the D.B. Cooper. He crashed vibe. after stealing a bunch of money. Stole a bunch of money. And then just assumed a new yeah, persona. D.B. wore sunglasses not, a lot, too. Not that much money. money. 
Not that much Not money. Not casual $6 million down the toilet money. If no. you would have invested it, it you never know. It, it could have grown. It, uh, yeah. Like, the, at the end of the movie, it says, like, he made a profit. Like, eventually. Are talking about sinking money into like, the room? Yeah. Almost 15 years, though. Still, you know. But the thing, the thing with the... Uh, the D.B. Cooper thing is that uh, the, the timeline wouldn't match up. No. <laughs> like, Tommy would be way older than he even... He's, Appears he's to not be. a young man, but he'd be even older. Uh, he wouldn't be alive right now. He's, he's kind of decrepit at <laughs> yeah. this point. When did the D.B. Cooper thing happen? The 70s? No. no. Oh, no. Or it was six, like the, it was it was like the 60s? 60s or 70s. 60s or 70s. It might have been like, yeah, I think it was late 60s. I think you're right. Yeah. I wrote a little... I wrote a short script about that. D.B. Oh, Cooper? Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it was Is it called Without a Paddle? No, I'm It's kidding. not called that. Um, it's the, uh, it was in my adaptation class, and we had to, like, adapt a real story, so I, like, wrote a story about him taking the Very mind. cool. Yeah, actually, yeah, I liked it. But enough about me. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy, you should take screenwriting, too, at Sony Purchase. I tried. Um, they wouldn't let me. Did you take screenwriting what? one? Uh, no. Well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 was, I couldn't Usually take, I couldn't take screenwriting <laughs> one either, but that's, I'll tell you about that after the podcast. But, uh, you know, as as a guy who's a fan of m- movies about making movies, like Ed Wood. Especially and, bad ones. Yeah, and like Living in Oblivion. And or Man Amer- on the Moon. Or Man on the Moon, American Movie. Those are all great examples of movies about making movies. And I think The Disaster Artist firmly places it within that category. I think it's Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really strong film and like... I know, like, Academy Awards season. Not that it matters, because, like, well, like, no matter what. You're like, you know, we our taste in movies are not dependent on, like, what gets Oscars or not, but... Right. You know, I think this movie just deserves a little bit more than what it's going to get. That's uh, just what I'm going to say about that. I am not so sure about that, because... You think it's getting some buzz? Uh, the Golden Globe nomination... J- James Franco is happened. nominated for Best Actor in a Comedy. Oh, that's great. And, and The Disaster Arts is nominated for Best, Best Picture comedy. in a Comedy. Best Comedy. He, his acting... I really can't stress how, how good he is as an actor. His, his acting is so good as Tommy, it makes... Dave Franco as as Greg stand out to me as like a not as authentic portrayal in my yeah. opinion because I, mean, I think that it's almost as like on purpose I could see it almost being on purpose I, like I mean I know I know James like he he casted his brother because he wanted strong chemistry between Tommy and Greg and what right. better person to get strong chemistry with than your own brother right and Jack they, and they do have strong chemistry <laughs> I do think there are some like some scenes that like feel awkward or flat coming from Dave Franco, but I, I also think that could be on purpose just by the absurdity of it all and the naivete of that character. Yeah, possibly. that's a good point. That's kind of how I read it at first, but that's why I kind of want to talk about it more with you and, and see why it would air after the discussion, because the way I kind of saw, saw Dave Franco's performance in the movie was him being so young trusting this person maybe during the course of the movie learning like he's my friend he's the one who got me at least this far i'm not gonna ditch him this camaraderie this this brothership um brotherhood brotherhood <laughs> brothership brother, brothership he's on the ship pinner is coming out um like uh i i think that almost like uh his acting that kind of feels like flat or falls flat like Feels true to the character. Also, maybe it just kind of feels true to what we know of the character from the room. Sure, sure. Because like he, he kind of. I feel like Dave Franco's doing the way Greg sounds during the room the whole movie. That I'm, like, that makes sense. Okay 
It's just that's it's, what I read it. It's just for me, even though there's like the whole meta narrative of like Dave looking up to James in real life, and James a bit is a bit of a weirdo in some cases. Like I, me and personally, me personally, I think someone else could have done a better job playing a more authentic version of Greg Sestero. But for what it's worth. Um, I think Dave Franco did did a good job. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not bad. Not at all. It doesn't take away from a movie. I'm just saying it could have been even stronger than it was. So who do you think Jer- would have oh. been? Who do you think would have been? Oh, I'm terrible. I'm bad at like. I'm looking at a picture of Greg Sestero right now. He looks a lot like Owen Wilson. A little bit. I think too old. I think yeah, he'd be a bit old. How old are you, really? (laughs) Jeremy, I kind of can get on board with you because I recently also saw The Little Hours, Mm -hmm. which had Dave Franco in it. Mm -hmm. A story about nuns in like the 1300s. I've I've heard of it. Yeah, Uh, Aubrey Plaza is great in that. Anyway, uh, Dave Franco plays like a gardener who has to pretend that he's mute to exist in the society, and. His portrayal of Greg wasn't that dissimilar from, like, other jobs I've seen him do in the Mm -hmm. past. But I'm still, like, on the Dave Franco train. I'm, like, ready for him to get better and better. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think someone might have been a better fit. But I'm still glad that I got to see him do this role. And I think he's going to get better from here. Sure. How do you guys feel Ashton Kutcher as Craig. It's still too old. He's still old, but like a young. I just like, gotta, I like, the haircut he has in this this picture that on the back of the DVD is. What are you seeing? Like Michael C. Hall, I'm maybe seeing, <laughs> <laughs> playing Greg Sestero. Nah, Michael C. He's a little too, too old too. He's also too old. What's a good young? Maybe like you know, in like a perfect world, James Franco would take a chance with an unknown. Yeah. Maybe. But, I guess, but I think really the brotherly chemistry. Yeah, the brotherly chemistry does is what makes it work at the yeah, end of I the day. So. I recently watched, uh, just this past Saturday, James Franco hosted Saturday Night Live, mm. and I watched it, and one of the last skits had James and Dave in it, and Heath looks at me, and like I'm talking about Dave and James, and he was like, what, there are two of them? Like yes, and he was like, I thought James was just playing both roles, and then just <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, no. holy shit, <laughs> no, dude, they have different names. Yeah. He's just like, all right, whatever. Dave he's bad with faces yeah. and names, though. Or he's, or he's really good because they do look alike. Maybe there's they look like they could, you know. There's there's so like there's so, so much meta casting in yeah. this movie, oh, yeah. like you which know, is, Seth, which is good. Seth Rogen as the director, and you know, of course, Seth Rogen has directed him on This Is the End, yeah, and all right. that stuff, and you have Allison Brie playing Dave Franco's uh, girlfriend, the Greg's girlfriend, and they're married in real life. Right. Oh, they are. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, fun fact. Huh. Wow. So you know, whole whole lot of meta meta casting. Yeah. yeah. That. Uh, so. What did you guys think of um, the? Uh, and maybe you can speak to how much of this is in the book, Jeremy. The idea of Tommy being jealous of Greg. Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Big time. Because we, we haven't really spoke. I don't know if we've gotten too deep on the relationship really between Greg and yeah, Tommy. And that's what carries the movie. Yeah. And that definitely carries the movie. And Did I think that's why the, the brotherly connection there mm-hmm. is what makes that work so well. Yeah. Do you guys see it as like a? I don't really throw it out there because like I think they play with the notion of it being like. He gets jealous, but like, do you think it's like romantic at all, or do you think it's really just like a, I'm losing my friend? I think I think no, it's I think that's what it is. I think he's a very lonely man for I sure. Don't I think it's I don't think friends. it's romantic or sexual or yeah. anything like that. I think it is just no. I think he that's is alienated from the world 
not just because he's from outer space, but also just because <laughs> he's just, I don't think he has many human connections. Yeah, right, right. And I think with Greg Sestero, he finds a friend. And I mean, he, Someone they, they talk about, you know, this, the, the, the room is about Tommy and ostensibly he has this entire past that is shrouded, shrouded in mystery, but also unrelated to anything that we've seen so far in the movie that he is making this story about and what makes him feel so isolated and alienated from the world and makes him, obviously he has thoughts I think they're subtly hinting that he actually has actual thoughts of suicide. Yeah, throughout, yeah. throughout this movie, most if of it's in, if it's in the room, he's thought about it. The, exactly. I think the, the room is a depiction of his mind. Right, he says Insanity. that at the beginning of the premiere. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I think he connects with with Greg Sestero. Um, Greg and, connects with Tommy, and Greg connects with Tommy, and they both need each other in a way. And yeah. this movie, I, th- I think, a lot of what what drives the drama is the way that they interact with each other and it begins and ends. And the one part where it really felt more like this is like a, just there, this is a dramatic movie, less than a true story is like, you get that beginning of the third act where there's the, they are no longer friends. Right. And they have to come right. Back together yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of brief, but still, still brief. But yeah. I, right. there's always like the end of the second act. Like you gotta, you gotta have separate a, a breakup, <laughs> and then it comes back together yes. at the end of yes. the third. Yeah, um, you know uh, this this movie and the book is from Greg's perspective, and like this kind of reminds you of like a pseudo weird Great Gatsby. Yeah, kind of, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's okay. a good point. Yeah. Especially because Gatsby, yeah, you don't know where he gets his wealth, and he's mm-hmm. kind of a mystery. Get car at the yeah, end. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, Jeremy. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. good. No, that is a really good point. I really like that. But yeah, we we see the whole thing from most of it anyway from from Greg's perspective, which yeah. you see in the Great Gatsby. It's yeah, from, yeah, yeah. So Nick, right, or is Nick the? No, Nick is. Nick, you're right. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Yes. You see it from his perspective. Toby, Toby yeah. Toby Maguire. <laughs> yeah. You guys read that clickable article? No. no. I'll, I'll show you later. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but maybe it'll speak to you guys too. That uh, no matter how good a friendship is, we well, I'll speak from experience. You've always had that moment where you go out to the bar, the club, and then you're with your friends, and then your friend starts like flirting with mm-hmm. someone else, oh, yeah. and that's not happening for you. And yeah, that's a bad feeling, it's and that's how feeling. Tommy has felt his entire life. Right, yeah. he's finally, and I think he has a friend, yeah. and, and he's dancing, and he's not getting yeah. anybody. And <laughs> no, that wasn't no. quite a dance. But yes. that's, but that's being a bad friend is to prevent your friend from growing as a person. He yeah. prevents him from. He tries to prevent him from talking to Alison Brie, her character. He keeps him from Malcolm in the Middle. He, he keeps him from Malcolm in the Middle. So yeah. is that scene? Is that whole? I don't. I I don't think it's Malcolm in the Middle, but I think something similar did happen. <clears throat> but they just got Brian Cranston to cameo, so I think they like. They I kinda... thought it would have been hilarious if the book actually had a part where he's talking to Brian Cranston. That would have been so fucking funny. Yeah, I I think they changed it up a little bit okay. because I got a Brian Cranston um, cameo in cameo there. in yeah. there. But uh, I think something does does happen where where uh, Greg gets an opportunity, but he had to turn it down to continue working on the room. Right. I also oh, like how they just God, so <laughs> they they emulate like late nineties, early two thousands. Brian, I guess just early 2000s, Brian Cranston, by just letting him have his hair back. And yeah. yeah. Close enough. You look close enough to what you look like in Malcolm. Shave your face. We're good. Yeah, they probably just added, like, they 
Give him more makeup to quit some of the wrinkles. Yeah. He doesn't really look all that different. Not really. Yeah. No, he's aged very, very handsome. He, he's aged yes. very gracefully. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only hope I do the same. <laughs> now we keep shucking in these beers all night. <laughs> 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 you guys have any more closing thoughts or do you, anything else you want to you want to riff on before we kind of take it home here? I love how at the very end when they were doing that shot for shot. Uh, series of yes. like scenes from the room mm-hmm. that we all looked at each other and we're like we would watch an entire shot for shot remake yeah. of this movie oh, with these God. characters i mean you know they have more footage they have more footage than we've got to see i'm excited for the, the dvd release of yeah this. For sure. one of those movies, there's a lot of like 2017 movies where i'm like i want the physical yeah. version of this yeah, to have yeah. forever and right disaster artist is like yep give me that give me that yeah that blu-ray it really hit yeah. me when they did the kind of post post finale like the title cards or the the cards of this is actually some more information about the actual two. footage yeah, of Tommy was so. yeah, yeah it was like deeply powerful for me I was way. actually like tearing up a little I bit, up a little yeah. bit. It's, yeah it's very inspirational like like to me absolutely and and just like in general just the, like wow a movie cult. a movie about yeah. the the room t- making me tear up and isn't it just like kind of like the most ironic thing that a movie about Tommy Wiseau is getting like talks well, you're, about you're the kind Oscars. of finally getting the actually it's like, I think I, I think even though it's irony it's just like it's sweet I think it's, that's it's, why that's why I felt so emotional about it yeah I was like this is unbelievable yeah. that this is like happening here and it's like this big deal now the Hollywood and system as, should have suppressed this ever from existing and here's this little it's fucking wild Cutting through the shit. And, and, and you know, this year has been such a crazy fucking year. Yeah. Like, for everybody. It's going to get even crazier because I know James Franco is going to take Tommy Wiseau to the Oscars. Yeah. So Tommy Wiseau is going to be going shit, to man. the Oscars. Yeah. That is great. We live in such a weird timeline. We do. But that maybe is like the one gray of sunshine. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. It's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's really beautiful. It but beautiful. you just, like, you know, things that you think would never happen for 200, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. If there's anyone who deserves to be at the Oscars, it's all I was Yeah, and this I year, really, yeah. I was in the same place as you, Jeremy, because I like felt myself getting really emotional. For Clemps. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why? I'm really tearing up at this, <laughs> and I think this? that's it. I think that's it. It's- well, speaking as a, as a bookend, uh, how did you guys feel about the way the film opened? Because I wasn't as into the modern day actors talking about the influence of the room that was a little i could take it or jarring. leave it i didn't really yeah, like I it as an opening i I, think, I, I really liked it you liked it I, yeah i, I personally liked it because uh i think a lot of these like improvisers and like sketch artists like probably like learned a lot from the room and sure. a lot from it and i think their story is probably similar to greg's and they ended up being a little more successful but also uh without knowing that the how did this get made people were going to be in the movie like seeing these actors and like up front kind of like talking about it like you know these people know about the room and, and it, it was uh I, I personally liked it and i also like all those actors so. i, I do too i thought it felt a little staged and gimmicky i don't That's know it, it, yeah it came across as like a staged kind of joke rather mm-hmm. than these yeah. actors genuinely saying like this movie actually i have strong feelings for or this movie like yeah. you know influenced me in one way or another it felt like a fake canned like joke yeah. add on in the beginning. You almost didn't know if because the 
the company title cards had already played before that segment. Mm-hmm. But if it hadn't, I thought it would have been like a pre-movie thing that they played before kind the movie of, yeah. started. And also the like weird VH1, like remember the the tooth, early 2000s? I yeah. love but the I think, 90s. I exactly strikes back. I think it helps yeah. establishes the meta-narrative happening. Right. I think maybe if you don't have that, you need something similar. You need something to establish the meta narrative yeah. up front. And I think that maybe, you know, f- different strokes for different folks, we all have different tastes on the matter. Um, but I think that it at least establishes that up front in the movie. And I think that kind of smooths our entry into the actual plot um, a lot better. I think the idea is a good one. I just am not totally sure about the actual footage the that they got and they yeah. use the execution. Right. Also, Adam Scott, are you okay? He's doing he that show. He's doing that show with Craig Robinson. I want to say it's called Ghosted, maybe. Oh uh, yeah. Fox? Is that I don't sh- know. It's a show. It's yeah. A show yeah. Okay. I mean, I just saw him in um, Little Evil. Okay. Oh yeah. It's not bad. It's okay. okay. It's, yeah. it's from the Tucker and Dale guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is it oh, actually like, from yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay, because I was like, this is very Tucker and Dale versus <laughs> Evil. It's not as good as Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but you can tell it's from them. Okay. Like Tucker Tucker so so yeah. my my thoughts on the opening thing. I yes. think it would have been a lot more genuine if they actually got people who like if they got for one thing, actual filmmakers uh-huh. to talk about. Like, they got J.J. Abrams, but right. like yeah, more cool. actual directors to talk about the movie, that would have been nice. Also, I, th- I think it would have been cool if they if they brought in more people that made, that exposed the room to a lot of people. Like, yes. if they got the how did this get made guys to, right. to talk yeah, as themselves. Yeah. And that and critic talk about who it. saw it a hundred times. Or, or like, or yeah. they got the, uh, the Rift Tracks guys mm. to, right. to yeah. maybe like say a few words yeah. about I, it. I think that's fair. I think we can all agree that having a meta kind of commentary up front is good. It's just like maybe a different cast for it. I think yeah. they, they, they picked people sure. that they could put their faces on screen and they You'd wouldn't need to put the names because they sure. did yes. not. You notice they did not no. put anyone's names underneath. Nope. Right. They picked recognizable faces. Sure. And I think maybe that's the problem is that they went more for just the recognizable faces rather than people that actually have like a real reason to care that much about the room. I'm going to do this really quick. Sure, sure. Well, I... Oh! Oh! Oh, It's delayed! It's delayed! (laughs) Well, I know Adam Scott has been on How Did This Get Made, like, quite a bit. A lot of of them have. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. that's the thing, like, all those Earwolf people, like, Paul Tompkins, Scott Ackerman, like, all those people, they they share each other's shit, they do everything. Um, Right. And, like, a a lot of, like, the Earwolf podcast people are in this movie, so... I mean, maybe that's because, like, I, you know, I, I listen to Comedy Bang Bang, I listen to How Did This Get Made, and I love Paul F. Tompkins and all those people. You know, I'm like, surprised Paul F. Tompkins didn't show wasn't up in, in this movie. Uh, he should have been. <laughs> yeah. He should just be in everything because yeah. he looks so handsome. The one that got away. He's got so many good suits. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's why it, maybe it was okay with me. Because I was just like, oh, I, I it worked for me because I was like, I totally recognize all these faces. Fair like, enough. Yeah. 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 But I think I could see your, your criticisms are totally valid. I totally understand where you're so I have two thoughts. Uh, uh, it's a common thing now in film when the credits, the they separate the text into half of the screen and they'll have a little video mm-hmm. going on one half of the screen. Yeah. And I think those black backgrounds behind these people giving their testaments to the room would have worked really well in the credits sequence. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. As opposed... And I feel like it would have fit better with the film if they would have shot them in real environments. So, like, the first one you see is uh, Kristen Bell. 
And it I think it would have worked jarring. a lot better very in like her in like her living room or like her kitchen or like it a movie have, theater or like a movie theater or even on on the room set right or, or talking the about it set, like. or even just that like that exact shot but at the end of the movie rather at the beginning yes because it was absolutely the fir- very first frame of this movie is her face yeah with a little bit I mean you know it was just like wait, a little strange what? what? Yeah. And like Richard yeah. Linklater did this movie? this movie called Bernie where there are interviews oh, like yes. sequenced oh, wow. into yeah. the film. Yeah. I would have taken it absolutely sequenced like a little bit into the film every once in a while. I don't think I would have uh, It would have definitely broken up the sequence. I just didn't really like that series of interviews at the beginning of the film. I yeah. think it would have worked yeah. better at the end or especially because somehow. Of- Especially because we spoke to this before, we weren't really sure exactly what this film was going to be, and how much of an actual drama it is, and less right. of like meta commentary, meta documentary kind yeah. of thing. Like it's a drama. Mm-hmm. It is a movie. It is just there's no kind yeah. of documentary aspect to it. Having that first, I think, made it just seem like what is yeah. a little strange. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But it would have been great at the end. I think. Yeah. Because it would have added to the narrative of the legacy of the room. Right. Like but the I, that's what they were doing that, at yeah. the end, yeah. I also think they have to a little bit see the idea of the legacy of this before for the people that are going cold. Sure. That's kind of right. what I was saying, too. Right. Yeah, it's, there was a better way to have done it. Yeah, but, but you have to, like, you have to hammer home the idea, like, not only is this true, like, the, the pure impact of this movie on film and of... Like I think our generation specifically, like you know, I think we, I think we're unique, or our generation is one of the first few people where like we watch bad, bad movies and we like like them for being bad, and that might be like a general statement, but I think that like could be unique to like millennials where it's like I do. We I'm, like looking this, I'm looking at you because of the Ed Wood thing because I was totally right. pre Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I just discovered Ed Wood one day and you like. Were like you were like ten. I was yeah, well, something like that. I was like yeah. adolescent. <laughs> you were age. very young when you really hooked on to Edward. Yeah, and um, maybe maybe I could go more in depth this of like an overdrinker someday. But sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I would listen to that. I would do an overdrinkers with you with Edward. But sure. Edward was just a huge inspiration of me for me because like you know I I fell in love with like the art of filmmaking from a very young age. And Ed Wood taught me that. Um, wow, well, I'm actually like starting to get a little, a little bit emotional <laughs> about this. We'll wrap but, soon. But um, <laughs> all that iced tea. Right, right. Yeah. This great, this great babe. Most of the way through a 99 cent Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have, I have to drive home. I can't like be chugging all these. That's why I made you drive me here. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to drive home but, too. But boys. like, but film, but filmmaking, like at when I was a young age, it always seemed like such a daunting task. Like I was watching like a whole bunch of Spielberg movies, and I was like. Holy, like holy Those crap! Shouldn't seem impossible. Yeah, like holy yeah. crap! This seems this seems insane. This seems like such a daunting thing. I could never do this. Ooh. But Ed Wood taught me that you can like you know don't really worry about it. If you make something you know fucking terrible, it can still make an impression on somebody, and that like meant a lot to me. I think it's, me. Like, it's like yeah. at least you made something. Yeah, at least you, you made, made something. something. Yeah, like, and like if you think about Tommy, that's what that's what Greg says to Tommy at the end. Yeah, the like, like, don't you did this. Nobody. Yeah. Who, how many people actually do this? <laughs> yeah, and you did it. And the disaster artist, a thousand you know, tells tells <laughs> a very, <laughs> you know, it tells a very similar similar story to the yeah. to Edwin. It has a very similar message that just like, you know, it could mean anything to like any artist out there. 
that like you know don't worry about what people are gonna think if it's if it's gonna be shit then at least it made like some kind of impression on them and you know something they might not forget about so even before that at least you made it at least you made it yeah at least you made something art in general like art is not made for art shouldn't be made for other people art should be something that you make for yourself and that hopefully other people can enjoy or at least watch and if they don't get down with it it's like well i didn't make it for you i made it for for me well and even bringing that back to the conversation we had close to the top of this episode when it's art made for other people it's just a commercial yeah Yeah. anymore and that's the difference between something genuine like this and something that is very commercial and very obviously commercial yeah I also liked that Tommy had the integrity to kind of realize, like, well, art is a little fluid. Like, yeah, so... And Greg prompts him to feel this way, but, like, yeah. they love it. Like, they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is great. Yeah. Like, it might not be the drama you had hoped, but people are really loving this. Yeah. And it, I think it's also important that there's no, like, pretension whatsoever to this, to, no. to the disaster. No. They're not, like... We're creating art. At no point are they saying that. We're projecting that onto them. But they just want to make a movie. Yeah. Right. And they, and they succeed. 100%. Yeah. Right. They do indeed. They made a movie. They we do. are holding the physical <laughs> DVD copy of The Room. Oh I God. haven't made one of these. Go into... No. Look no, at... Yeah, exactly. We haven't made a movie. Look, no. at, the, no, look at the scene selection. Like, read the scenes of the scene selection. No, in... in the oh, in, is there an actual... It's like... Holy this, moly. This there is... There 42 scenes. <laughs> like what like an hour and a half film there is a, there is one that says johnny and lisa and then a scene later that says lisa and johnny <laughs> oh there's a scene chris r, chris r. <laughs> can i just call him chris no, no his name is chris r, chris r. Um, you are tearing me apart lisa yeah scene. johnny mike denny and mark playing football uh-huh uh, i'll show them i'll record everything it's yeah a little bit meta yeah. Yeah, 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 there you go. I would love to see just that that documentary of all the footage that Tommy shot. Oh yeah, I think oh, that's out yes. there somewhere. Oh man, I find out I love <laughs> to see that. Yeah, there's this is yeah. Also very similar uh, in the Jim and Andy documentary, it gets mentioned that the entire time there was a documentary crew filming things that were happening during Man in the Moon, which is how they made this flick. But then it was also a retrospective on that. So yeah, I love super meta things like this. I would love to see the footage that Tommy recorded, Johnny recorded (laughs) during this. Apparently, James Franco watched just about all of that footage. He got all of that That footage. That's so good. As much as he could get his hands on. That is great. Yeah. So, all right, we're going along here. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Any closing, th- quick closing thoughts? Uh, I, we've been doing closing thoughts for like twenty minutes now. Sure, it, it's it's a it's a really good movie. It's for anyone who hasn't discovered the room before. This is a great jumping off point. However, if if you're like entrenched in in the room as much as I've been, I don't think it offers really anything new. new but it does. It's a great tribute to Tommy Wiseau and the whole crazy story. So I recommend wa- seeing this. I recommend seeing the room. I recommend reading the book. The Disaster Artist. I'm not going to be that guy that says, like, oh, the book is better than the movie. Like, I'm not that guy. It's just different. It's just it's, 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 it's a good complimentary piece yeah. to the movie. And I also recommend playing The Room, The Game, which, oh, is, no. the, which is this little Flash game on Newgrounds. Oh, I didn't even know. It's, Jeremy, you've gone deep. I have gone that deep. Is, you've gone deep. It's, it's made by Tom Fulp. 
Who, oh man! Who who made like Castle Crashers? Well, he, and he what? was like the main wow. Newgrounds. He ran Newgrounds. He did, yeah. and he made this like little like Earthbound style RPG Holy that shit. basically chronicles the the room from beginning to end. He even like adds. He even what? takes a bit of creative liberties of like saying like going to like Johnny's job. It like creates like a lore around the room, which the is bank just that he's yeah, saving yeah, so much money. Yeah, I'm I'm serious. <laughs> Jeremy, so. this is me pulling the lifeline of how deep you are down the you need next hit, my friend. Seriously, yeah, no kidding. But you know, I recommend seeing all those come down this rabbit hole with me. You're too far. <laughs> <laughs> I think instead of pulling you up, I'm just gonna clip the cord. <laughs> Let you go. Ah! Yeah. Any thoughts here? Oh my gosh, I think we touched on the majority of cool. how great this film is. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely 100% recommend going to see this film and The Room and listening to the audio recording, like the audio book, sure, yeah, and totally. reading the book yourself. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, get involved in this. Go, it's great. Go to a, a, a like if you're in a city oh, that lives yeah. that shows midnight showings of The Room. I think. There's a January screening in New York City with Greg Sestero coming, I think. That's kind of what I was touching on before. Like, what is this going to do for those midnight screenings? Because I bet it's going to be fucking hard to get a Really quickly, uh, Tommy and Greg are making a new movie called Best Friends with the R in parentheses. So it's really like Best Fiends. And it's about another betrayal of two friends, like, hatching the scheme together. And I think Tommy Wiseau plays a mortician in this film. Perfect. And then somehow there's a betrayal, vampire-esque, maybe. Uh, uh, I need all the mom fluid, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love this whole this whole mythos. He's like essentially made the next Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, and yeah kudos yeah. to him. He really has. Yeah, yeah. Okay. excellent. Uh, it's just great. <laughs> cool. I'm it is ha- a great I'm happy. Flick. I'm just yes. I'm just happy it exists. That's my closing thoughts. I'm glad that this kind of Cinderella story. This weird Eastern European man from outer space exists. (laughs) This has been a great year for movies, but like kind of a weak year for comedies. In in some ways, except for like the big sick or or something. So little hours is great, but yeah, and and the and the little hours. Yeah, but it's nice to go to see a movie and just like laugh really hard. I think it's it's been a strong year for comedies through the lens of other genre. Like when you look at, I mean, Get Out is now nominated for best comedy. Oh god, I know a lot of people. Three billboards is is also really funny. There, yes, three billboards, comedy through tragedy, and there's you know the the Marvel movies have been very funny. Yes, Yes, Thor, super good. As far as pure comedy goes, you're maybe right. Yes, but as far as pulling comedy from other aspects of life and experience i think it's been a pretty good year which is like the strongest sure. comedy yeah, sure. really exactly and i think that's where the real comedy lies when you just try, try to do straight comedy it never really is that it rarely works out as well as finding comedy in other sources that's a good point yeah so thank you very much for listening um we had a great time recording this i had a great time recording this One yes had a great time watching this movie and i i agree with you robbie i love this movie and uh and i i I'm happy for it. I'm very happy yes. that it exists. I'm very happy it's that it exists. It's a good Christmas gift. It is. Yes. It is. It is a nice little cherry on top of an otherwise turd pile of a year. Yes. Um, not for <laughs> movies. Movies were good. Everything yes. else was not good. Yeah. Um, 
Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com to find all kinds of articles, podcasts, reviews, everything under the sun, movie-wise. We've got 2017 on lock. We're nearing the end of 2017 now. There are a few more movies in the pipeline that we're going to Check see out. and yes. record. Uh, we are definitely going to be recording a Star Wars podcast in a couple of days. Robbie is vibrating. <laughs> is, we have him tied like, to the bed, so I guess it's, <laughs> it's hard to focus your eyes on Robbie because he's moving in such a way that's really jarring. Um, we're going to try to knock out Shape of Water before the end of the year. Uh, there's a couple other ones coming down the pipeline. I, Tanya. I, Tanya. Um, C- fucking Coco. We still haven't seen Coco yet, have we? Yeah. So still Coco. Coco. We yeah. would still like to see Lady Bird. Uh, there's Call a Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name. There's, there's, There are more good movies to come. We will also probably, <laughs> we'll be recording a Best of 2017 um, episode. Probably after we've gotten a chance to see all those aforementioned movies, because I know there's a good chance some of those might squeak in at the end into some favorites of the year list. Um, So stick around, and we will have a lot more content for you, the listener, coming in the pipeline. Um, I'm Jack Kolodzewski. Oh, bye, Mark. (laughs) I'm Bernadette Gorman. Jeremy Kolodzewski. You don't want one last more, one last Tommy. Get out of you. You are tearing me apart, story screen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. great, great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just hear me say it again. You gonna? Absolutely. Clap in I'll clap in, and then once I clap, you go into your questioning, and we'll just start. Cool. Wait, did you do the La La Land plug? Mm-hmm. No, not yet. Oh, I'm okay. doing it right now. Okay. okay. <laughs> cool, man. I thought my brain was fried. Yes. Whoa, it's, it's Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy smoking all that liberal arts cigarettes. <laughs> 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 all right. Are we ready, guys? Did you forget? Did you, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing a great job. He just has one little trickle oh, on his hand. How did I forget? <laughs> I was, that's why I was like, dude. Do you need a paper towel? And oh, you say good, my brain is fried. We're all bad. I guess a little bit. Okay. Oh, I can use my... Use your booger tissue. There's oh, no booger... Well, there might be some. Hey, what are you talking just about? Just snot. Just snot. It's not boogers. It's not. Is boogers the solid version of snot? Yeah. Oh. A booger's you like... You just know that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's congealed <laughs> snot. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the podcast for sure (laughs) he'll have a lot which by the way